Alrighty, hello everyone, and welcome back to the Reformed Dissenters. We are the show where Reformed Christians dissent against popular ideas of culture by asserting a biblical worldview. I'm Bruce Johnson, joined as always by my brother Jacob Johnson. Hello, everybody. And today is Current Events Monday, which is by far our most controversial episode every week. So if you're tuned in, welcome and buckle in. Uh, Today is Fact or Fiction, which is the monthly game we play at the beginning of every month to give Jake a break from all the hard research he does and inject some jovality. Yeah, that's a word. Actually, that is a word. (laughs) Is it? Yes, it is. It means to be jovial and to be fun. So we are injecting... Word of the day, everybody. Word of the day, that's right. (laughs) We're injecting some fun into our show and uh, we hope to do that every episode. Every episode, I can do words. I was just telling Jake, this has been by far the busiest week, literally, I think, of my life. So <laughs> I'm just a little tired. So I apologize for the lack of energy. <laughs> um, and of course, but- this is this is the week that he gives me a break on uh, <laughs> on the uh, current events episode. <laughs> hey, it's fine. It's it's a fun thing to put together. So I'm cool with it. Um, the show preps shockingly is not a ton because it's just going out, finding articles and then inventing articles based on some other articles I found that weren't exciting enough. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just kind of fun, but yes, that's what we're going to do. So we're going to play that game. And then we have a theological wrap up. My wrap up today is going to be a bit of a change from what we usually do. Um, we've called this, I'm calling it an answer to our stance on Trump's presidency. And this is kind of a response to an episode we had a few weeks ago. So we'll be getting into that. You're going to want to stay tuned, um, for the end of that, uh, for the end of this episode where we address that. But before we get into all the fun and games we have today, we have to talk about our verse of the week, which we do every episode. Our verse this week is actually just a verse. Shock of all shocks. Hosea 4, 6 is our verse today. It says, quote, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you've rejected knowledge, I reject you from being, from being a priest to me. And since you've forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. And that's Hosea 4, verse 6. This verse is chock full of so much. I think that I would break this into three chunks. And so maybe what I'll try and do is strategically only address the first chunk. So as we have two other chunks to address throughout the week. I don't know. Maybe that's a good plan. What do you think, Jake? <laughs> um, Compared to our last verse? Yes. Thank you. Yes. All right. So the first part is my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you've rejected knowledge. I reject you from being a priest to me. Second part is, and since you've forgotten the law of your God, and the third part is, I also will forget your children. And so I kind of want to tackle the first chunk of this, which is big, right, in the next three minutes. (laughs) So here we go. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you've rejected knowledge. I reject you from being a priest to me. Where is all knowledge? Where does knowledge start? What is the beginning of knowledge? The fear of the Lord. You've, you've rejected 
the fear of the Lord. You've rejected the beginning of knowledge. You've rejected epistemology at its very center. It's a big old fancy philosophical, 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 <laughs> philosophical word, meaning the um, study of knowledge, right? Or the core of knowledge or what is knowledge? Where, how can we know things? Yeah, okay. Philosophers argue about everything, but um, even about arguing itself, like how can we argue? Like, really? Can we actually do that? Like, how do we actually argue? Like, that's a thing we can do, you know? <laughs> like, yes. Okay. All right. Sometimes we all roll our eyes a little bit, but it's actually pretty helpful um, if you take selections of what philosophers have talked about. This right here, though, gets to the heart of epistemology, right? The source of knowledge, study of knowledge. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, but what kind of knowledge? What exactly are we talking about here? Apparently, it's important, right? Because God says here, because you have rejected this knowledge, I reject you from being a priest to me. So we're no longer someone or an entity or a thing that is acceptable in the eyes of God because we've rejected this type of knowledge. That immediately should send up red flags and say, hold on a second. <laughs> Rejecting whatever this entity is, brings disastrous effects to me. It means that God doesn't even want to look at me. I can't be a priest to God. Like I can't go before God without, without having this. What the heck is happening here? <laughs> right. Now, this is obviously something that has changed, has been modified in the new covenant because the only way we can go before God now is through Christ. But it's actually a much, much better way than the shadows we saw in the old covenant. But this, we've never been told in the new covenant that this part has vanished, that this knowledge is now bad. And so I believe it still holds that because if, if a whole nation like Israel could be destroyed for rejecting this knowledge, I think it's pretty important that we study what it is. And so on Wednesday, Jacob is going to be breaking down exactly what this ridiculously important strategic chunk of knowledge is that we need to hold on to unless we want our nation to be destroyed. <laughs> so that's coming up on Wednesday. Hopefully you're on the edge of your seats and you're really excited for that episode. But it's time to get into fact or fiction. Dude, did I time that or did I time that? Three minutes, almost to the dot. I think Pretty I'm good. getting better at this. Yep. <laughs> or I just need to have my brain just completely mellowed so that I stop talking. <laughs> That'll work too. All right. So for those of you who are new, this is your first time joining us for a fact or fiction episode. Um, this is our monthly episode where I quiz Jacob. And Jacob has to turn on his, for lack of a better, better phrase, BS detector, I guess, would be the technical phrase. Okay, okay. <laughs> is, this, is this insanity or not, right? Is this completely mm -hmm. made up? Is this just fake? Or I is think, this actually real? I think the reason I'm doing it is because I've, I'm like in the articles so much that I would be the one who would be able to detect it a little bit. Like, yeah. I can... I can sort of tell what's written by a person and, oh, sorry, written by an article and, well, if it would actually be happening in today's world. 
which yeah. they're actually getting harder to figure out if they're actually happening this well because <laughs> I know. this world is doing some pretty crazy things now. Yes, when the Babylon Bee starts to sound like, stop writing their headlines for them, please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know they're just going to copy and paste that for next week's headlines. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so Jacob has to determine whether or not the article headline I read to him is fact or is it fiction. And then he has to give it a rating. How insane is this? If it's, if it's true, if it's false, how crazy of an idea is it to believe that this could be true? Or if it is true, how crazy is it that this actually exists, right? So just give it an insanity score from 1 to 10. And um, that's that's step two. So... Let's get into this. Here we go. Headline number one. You ready, Jake? Young woman complains she can't enjoy life working 40 hours a week. Fact or fact? <laughs> Imagine. God was right when he said uh, that women shouldn't be in the workforce. Uh, that's where you're going with this. I actually really well, like. I've heard a women. lot of this. I heard a lot of this going on. The fact that there are women now saying, getting mad at feminism because now they have to work and they don't want to work. <laughs> you did this to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's funny. Like now it's like now they're equal in a sense with men. And yeah. now they hate it. Now they realize what yeah. men have to deal with, what men well, have to do. Can I give you a quote? Go. Quote, she literally says, if this is real, or maybe I made this up, she literally says, I'm not made for this. Ooh. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. First of all, I think this is totally real. Okay. Because I've heard this be a thing. Um, Rating? Like, I'm going to say two. Because I'm like... Uh, even a broken clock is right twice a day. It's like, yeah. hey, hey, you figured it out. You you realize this is, it, but okay. If we go the other side, so the other aspect of this, not not just the whole feminism uh, uh, gender roles, but to the other side is laziness, right? Not wanting to even work forty hours a week. This started yeah. all the way back when people were working eighty hours a week, and that was actually torturous because, hey, guess what? Half of your you, – you should be spending a decent amount of time either working for the church or working in other things. Like you should have a family and God wants you to be working in your family as well. Yeah. So it's like to be working so much that your entire life is spent at work, I don't see that as biblical. So it, it was right to kind of try and put an end to that. But now with unions and stuff, which unions were created out of that and all of that. So they reduced it down to like 60 hours a week and then it reduced down to 40 hours a week. Now we're complaining about 40 hours a week. Yeah. Well, that was the. Okay. Do you want me to tell you whether it's fact or fiction? I kind of. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So it's it is it is fact. This is an actual headline. Here's the thing, though, like everybody's sharing this around and they're only <laughs> seeing the second point that you just made. And mm-hmm. men, women, doesn't matter. Conservatives are sharing this around and mocking this woman. To be fair, the reasons she's saying this, she's actually it's a whole video of her just crying 
right? Because she literally, she is lazy, etc. right? So I, I don't think she's married. I don't think she has kids. I don't think she's wishing she could actually do what God created her to do and to take care of her children and to love and nurture her children and to yeah. care for her household. I don't think she at all wants to do that. She just doesn't want to work, right? But yeah, put that aside for a second. It's really sad that that's all the conservatives can think of right now. We're at the point where on the on the right, all we can say is, oh, she's so lazy. This is hilarious. Oh, my goodness. My wife works 40 out 50 hours a week at, at this job and she's managing this bank and she's yada, yada. Yeah. Yeah. The conservatives are full on embracing feminism through this garbage in mocking this woman. And I'm like, yeah, guys missed the, the point the, entirely. <laughs> I think I think this is an interesting point. The very fact that the left understands or sees the very fact that the that the right is just contrarian they're just contrarian to every single thing that the left says so they're using that to their advantage they say something they make they they say something or they they make something come up and it's like they're pushing them in a democratic direction by i guess going further democratic or like doing these types of things they They're amazing at strategy. You have to admit that. Yep. The left is amazing at strategy. They understand biblical strategy better than the Christians do. Yep, we do. They, they do indeed. It's really sad. Um, all right, next headline. And we're going to kind of do these in rapid fire order, if you don't mind. Um, sure. So let's see. Here we go. Next headline. Trump vows to make Mexico pay for the wall next year if he's elected. Texans don't believe him. Fact or fiction? Fiction. Because no way would the Texans say they don't believe it. It's Trump. <laughs> That's the crazy part. Ah, uh, yeah. All right. What's I'm, I'm putting that on as a as a three. Three? Yeah. Okay. I don't know if I can really defend that. I'm just like, yeah. Uh, uh, just the very fact that it's like, no, they believe anything Trump says. It's Trump. He's their God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I, so yeah, this is fiction. I made this up. (laughs) I thought the crazy part was going to be him saying he's going to make Mexico pay for the wall again when he didn't do it the first time. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, uh, this, he, did I say fiction? I forget which one I said. said Fiction. I said fiction. Yeah. It's fiction. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. No, but that would be great. Like, it it would be, it would be something Trump would do. To be honest, like, it's kind of fair. He would say that he's going to make them do it and make them pay for it again, as yeah. if he didn't do it the first time. And that would be the logical response. If someone was actually thinking about it, they would say, "Wait a second. But he didn't do it the last time." Why do we think he's, he's going to do, do it this, this time? time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yep. let's be honest. It's Trump. When it comes to Trump, no one agrees with the logic. Yeah. People don't really think things through. They're just like, he says he's going to do it. And he's got the personality to back it up. Let's go. And he doesn't. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, they got in his way. The swamp was even worse than we thought it was. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, Stop covering for him. <laughs> All right. Um, next headline. Dude, this is a shocker. Buckle up. 
Canada pauses mm-hmm. assisted suicide program for the mentally ill due to lack of physicians. Fact or fiction? Dang it. Um, Do you need to hear it again? And let me get this straight. It's Canada is stop is pausing. You said pause. Is pausing their assisted suicide, right? Because they don't have mentally enough ill for the mentally ill. Because they don't have enough physicians. I'm going to say fact. Because I could totally see this being the case. First of all, because our <laughs> and I'm I'll I'll rate this. I'll rate this a uh, uh, five because it's it's just crazy all over. Because first of all, they this is something interesting, and I I hate to take up a whole bunch of time, but Doug Wilson was discussing this in his book, hmm. this type of thing, the fact that there's a reason socialism is stupidity, right? There's a reason going this route is stupid. And, and guess what? It, it leads and it, it doesn't work, right? Cause it's not going to work because he was saying that if you're, if you're doing this type of culture, you need people who are going to be able to siphon money into the civil government, right? Yep. So you start running out of people that have any money. If you keep doing that. And it's the same sort of thing here. Because we're going into socialism, we no longer have enough people to do these evil programs that they're doing. Yeah. They can no longer support their evilness. A quote from the article, quote, the system needs to be ready and we need to get it right. It's clear from the conversations we've had that the system is not ready and we need more time. Here's another point. To add to this, and I was just thinking about this when you said it, it's the very thing that they're trying to get rid of that's making it so hard for them to get rid of it, right? Mm. What they're trying to do in the assisted suicide, right, is reduce the population. And guess what? They don't have enough uh, physicians because they've reduced (laughs) the population. Yeah, yeah. They've, They've shot themselves in their murderous feet. Yep. All right, go ahead. This is fact. Um, and the crazy thing, so the headline's a bit of a misnomer. I was reading through it. And the article, what's actually happening is Canada already kills, like, assists in the suicide of a ton of classes of people, right? So elderly people, uh, mm-hmm. people who do this, do that. You know, there's different classes of people that they'll help murder, basically, uh, if they want to die. At least right now, that's the clause if they want to die uh, for now. But the, the, the new class they wanted to usher in was the mentally ill, but it didn't quite pass muster because they couldn't quite get the system to work out because of capacity reasons. Not ethical reasons, capacity reasons. It's horrific. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, next headline fact or fiction, California announces it will send its National Guard to Texas, but the dietary waters might be difficult to navigate. Fact or fiction. Can you, can you read through that one again? 
California announces it will send its National Guard to Texas, but the dietary waters might be difficult to navigate. Dietary waters. So I'm sorry, like, you're going to have to explain that one. Diets of people in California, as opposed to the diets of people in Texas, and getting them food so that they cannot die. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about the vegetarian thing? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, it, it would be a, definitely a culture shock for those people. But, you know what? I, I'm going to go f- fiction. Because um, it sounds a little um, pointed than I feel like an actual article would be. It sounds like a you... Sounds like a, a you kind of jab. Um, and I'm going to go one. I mean, you know, it, it's quite simple. It's I think even the left would say they would spin it their way, would say the National Guard in, in California is trying to help the National Guard in Texas, but they can't eat. They can't survive down there because all these ranchers and all these, you know, they would spin it their own way. Yeah. You know. Yep. Well, you're right. It's uh fiction. I made that up. But I like that you had at least like entertained the idea of not being fiction for half a second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. just couldn't stop laughing when I wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> uh the other thing I was thinking of is that they're pandering. They're National Guard. They're they're not supposed to care what they eat. It's just MREs or whatever. Just, you know, get them out there, right? But they're yeah. like, oh, it's going to be tough because they have a special diet and we got to get them the special foods and yeah, yeah. Right, like, right. You know, that was kind of what oh, I was trying to Oh, they would totally do that. This is like a, yeah. a weekend military that's just totally useless because like the dietary waters are the tricky thing here. <laughs> that, and that plays to the last, the last point in what yeah. Doug Wilson was saying in his book as well. It's like yeah. they're shooting themselves in the foot. Yep, and it, I understand that that article was fiction, but that ty- but type totally of stuff is happening. Yeah, right. Yeah. So they are shooting themselves in the foot, and yeah. hey, guess what? These these people with pitchforks are, cannot stand against the power of God, yep. right? Amen. Who is on our side if we follow His law and we follow the biblical standard, right? Yep. They're no yes, match. Indeed. All right. Oh, sorry. Go ahead and finish up. No, go ahead. Go ahead. We are out of time. So this episode is going to go a little longer. I'm sorry. But um, I do kind of have to read the whole thing <laughs> that I wrote here in order for this to make sense. And I did promise to answer this, um, this email we received. So uh, here we go. Theological wrap-up for today, I've titled it An Answer to Our Stance on Trump's Presidency. Um, To those of you who are new, uh, this may be new information, but our show's mission is to encourage those in our audience to do their own research. Uh, And more importantly, to dissent against popular ideas of culture on either side of the political aisle by asserting a biblical worldview. We adopted this mission uh, knowing full well there would be numerous times we would face differences of perspective, and we hoped this would come particularly from brothers and sisters in Christ seeking to apply all of Christ to all of life. 
uh, about two weeks ago, um, when January was still around, we released an episode detailing our responses for not voting for Trump in the primary or in the general election. So neither election. We plan on voting for Trump, and we listed some reasons for why. Uh, we tried to approach this from a biblical perspective, and we sought to provide scriptural reasons for uh, our decision. As God would have it, not everyone, obviously, quite agreed with our stance on the matter. <laughs> this is all fine and, and what we'd expect. Uh, it's when people refuse to lay out biblical arguments for their case that we know they aren't serious and we don't often reply. However, this is not the nature of the email I'll be replying to in this episode. We received an email from a lady named uh, Emmeline outlining in incredible detail <laughs> her stance on the matter. Uh, in addition to a very well thought out reply on our position, and we're very appreciative of that. Because of the biblically based nature of her email, I'd like to take the next 10 minutes to address some of the arguments and facts she brought to our attention. So here we go. First of all, addressing the candidates. One of the first objections raised in this email was related to the policies and actions of all the candidates involved. For our purposes here, uh, we're considering the real candidates and not the sideshows, the vague Haley, Scott, etc. right? Biden is obviously not even remotely a viable option for any Bible-believing Christians, and I hate that I even have to say that these days, but here we are. Um, and so we're left with the two men God has put before us, Governor DeSantis and former President Trump. Now, let's first talk about their similarities. Both have supported government indoctrination camps. Both were not initially on the right side of things with COVID. And both are human with their own built-in flaws. Apparently, total depravity really does mean we're all depraved. Post-fall, there's no such thing as a man without sin. So neither Trump nor DeSantis is a perfectly biblical candidate. We acknowledge this, and we want to point out that we never said either was God's gift to mankind. <laughs> right? What we did try to argue for, however, was that we should try to vote for the next best thing. A man as closely aligned with biblical values as possible. A large portion of the objections raised in the email outlined several positive aspects of Trump, and I do believe we should acknowledge how God was able to use Trump for his kingdom. To ignore these would be to ignore the sovereignty of our great king. To sum summarize, for the sake of time, Trump has portrayed a positive stance on respect for, um, in respect to uh, unborn life. He uh, held some variety of regard for what he called houses of worship during covid and he took a mostly biblical stance on LGBTQ people in the military. There are lots of additional things he did throughout his presidency that could be considered, uh, including the restoration of our economy, border security, better trade relations with other countries, etc. But these, I would argue, follow, fall under the category of self-preservation. And I don't really think they fit into this argument. And I say this because any sane man will want to make the economy better. Um, and... You know, any, any sane man is going to make the economy better so that he can eat and live. This is not an example of biblical behavior. It's just one of self-preservation. God uses this self-preserving attitude for his own purposes, to be sure, but that cannot be the basis for which we elect strong, uncompromising leaders. The other issues, LGBTQ, unborn life, respecting houses of worship, etc., those are examples of higher values and Trump, at least on a few public occasions and some policies, was pushed into the right side of these issues. Before moving on, 
I'd like to quickly summarize DeSantis' accomplishments. Uh, he's shown resilience in his fight to shut down abortion mills in his state, ban pornographic and other despicable types of books from Florida's indoctrination camps. He's produced numerous policies, making it easier for families to live in his state by reducing cost of living where possible, and has done all of this without the egotistical drama Trump brings to almost every situation. I think there to, is. Sorry, yeah. sorry to add to this, but um, to add to this, again, where we differ in what Bruce was saying before about the self-preservation thing, by DeSantis is specifically the numerous policies to make it easier for families to live. He specifically families, not just individuals, yeah. specifically families. And I, I wanted to just emphasize that to make sure people understood because this does not fit in with the self-preservation. He is specifically making it easier for families to live in, in this despicable time because he understands the importance of family values and the importance of creating strong families. And that is what makes this a biblical trait. Exactly. Exactly. And I have to think some of his Catholicism helps with that, right? Mm -hmm. Like th there is a huge difference between an ungodly man and a Catholic. Massive, massive difference, right? Not all Catholics are saved. Sure, for sure. A lot of them believe in a lot of idolatrous stuff. Not all of them, but a lot of them do. I believe there are lots of Catholics who are probably saved. We don't know the heart. What we do know is that they do believe in largely the word of God. They believe in the God of the Bible largely, right? There are a lot of disagreements we have. There's a lot of idolatry with Mary, etc. But they have a much firmer moral compass than the unbeliever. Mm -hmm. And so I will choose that any day over the unbiblical fool. Moving on, though, there is, I'm sure, much more that could be said on this topic uh, but for the sake of time, I'm going to leave this subject for now and move on to a more philosophical question raised by this email. And that's the lesser of two evils versus the closest to a godly man. These two schools of thought. We want to look for the lesser of two evils or do we want to look for the closest to a godly man? Two different things. But what's the difference? Is one better than the other? Well, why does it matter? To answer these questions, the core part of what we must single out is motivation. When we elect a man into the office of civil government, we all know we should be focused on electing a righteous one, right? Well, not necessarily. Sometimes things look so bleak, so horrible, and so despotic that we're willing to do whatever it takes to get out of our current predicament. We start looking for people willing to take care of us. Oh, oh good. He says he'll work on reducing prices of food and gas if he's elected. That's the carrot. It's bribery. The motivation on both sides of the equation is all messed up. One fool says he'll do less wickedness than the other fool. <laughs> so we go with the first fool, and we think we've accomplished something. It's easy to say that it's better to vote for a righteous man than a fool, but if the fool seems to get a few things right every once in a while, and things look really desperate, the hard thing is actually not voting for the fool. When we vote for the man closest to a godly man, we are demonstrating that we understand our priorities. Our order of priorities should be God first, family second, church third, and political games somewhere in the 20s or 30s. We're not going to win culture by winning politics. God is the only one who truly has complete and total control over the politics of America and every other culture in the world. If we want God on our side, we can't be playing political games. If we want God on our side, we need to read Proverbs and understand what the fool looks like. 
then we need to avoid voting for the fool. <laughs> Quote, a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Proverbs 29, 11. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Proverbs 18, 2. The fool, the fear of the Lord, is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 1, 7. The way to actually win the culture war is not to have God on your side, but for you to be on God's side. Hmm. Our agenda and mission should be building and discipling a Christian culture under the kingship of Jesus Christ. We do not need to get desperate and reach for fools when God is the one in control and has given us the best winning strategy in the universe, Christian living through the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't need to stoop to the level of voting for someone like Trump. We are not left completely in the lurch. <laughs> we are not in a position where our only choice is to place our seal of approval on a fool. God is sovereign over all. We have other options, namely voting for a righteous man and working for the kingdom in the spheres of authority God has placed you in. Before you go, I'd like to end with some final thoughts before we all go on our way to disciple whatever part of the nation God has put us in. First, if God is for us, who can be against us? Romans 8.31. We're not fighting a losing battle. Christ is reigning and conquering every one of his enemies. Psalm 110.1. The wicked are on the run. Isaiah 57.21. Proverbs 21.8. And we, in light of all this, are to be about the business of exposing the works of darkness. Ephesians 5.11. Exposing darkness means working for God's truth to spread even when things look hopeless. We are supposed to be fountains of hope. 1 Corinthians 13, 13, Romans 15, 13. Christ has all authority in heaven and on earth, and he's called us to do a job. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is why we hold our ground and vote for righteous men, even when it doesn't seem, quote unquote, strategic. This is why we homeschool children, even when it's difficult. This is why we live differently as Christians. Don't be of the world. John 15, 19. Live like Christians. I hope this was an adequate answer to your question. Thank you very much for your email. And we're looking forward to hearing from all of you. And we always look forward to that. This week was extremely busy for me, so I didn't have a chance to respond. So I'm sorry, but I hope this covers it. <laughs> Send all your emails to drdshow at protonmail.com. And we'd love to hear from the rest of you. Uh, go to our show website, trdshow.net, and watch all of our episodes there. By the way, we have our series library. I just updated that today. You can now access our latest series on uh, leadership for the king. It's all bundled together for you there in our series library on our website. So if you're looking to find all those episodes, that's the place to go and do that. We're looking forward to seeing you on Wednesday when we break down our very next book, the very first chapters in our brand new book, Thy Kingdom Come by R.J. Rushdoony. Very exciting. We're covering chapters one and two. So check that out. And we will see you on Wednesday. Until then, remember everyone, in all that you do, do it as unto the Lord. <laughs>